0: Wow, did that music surprise you, too? That sounds heroic. Wow. Good morning, friends. Good morning, Platt. We're on a first-name basis. That's how you know you're not in trouble. Platt Park Church, come here immediately, right? Earlier this week, I was out of town for a couple days. And I was meeting with somebody that I would never met before. I mean, we've talked on the phone, but we've never met before. And we were at breakfast, and we were kind of getting close to ending breakfast, and he asked, Well, what's next? And I told him, Well, we'll just, from here, we'll cross the street. <laughs> and, like, how specific. <laughs> uh, and we're gonna go to this hotel, and we'll go to the top floor, this, and we'll find a little room up there, and we'll talk more of like this further. Um, And he goes, we're going to the Armstrong Hotel. And I thought, have you been there? And he goes, yeah, I spent my wedding night there two years ago. Right? And I felt that. Oh. I thought, oh, this is great news. You know this place. And he felt that. He felt, oh, there's something here that I can draw from. So we went over to the hotel, and we're walking inside, and I opened the room, and And he walks in and he kind of does one of these and he looks around like for a moment and he goes, (laughs) He goes, this is just like what I remember. And I thought, Oh, you've been to like this room? (laughs) Like this is the, and he's like, and at the same time, we're both realizing this and we kind of lean in and then like look down the hallway toward the bedroom. And we both are kind of in this together, and we kind of look at each other like maybe we know each other better than we thought. And he goes, "This is what he says." He goes, "But I kind of break the tent." He goes, uh, "It's a comfortable bed, huh?" And I was like, "I don't know. I guess so." And I'm not like it's not that I haven't ever been to a hotel before in my life. Like I've been to a hotel. I understand that people sleep there before I get there. But the context has never felt that immediate. I never felt that immediate context of like, oh, this is something, right? And sometimes in life we do, we're aware of those moments and we're in those moments and we sense, hey, there's something deep, there's something of substance and beauty and humor in this moment. And sometimes those moments kind of pass us by, like go way over our head or they go unnoticed. And that's what we're going to start exploring together. Today is the first Sunday of 2024, the first Sunday of this year. Yes, it is. And it's the first Sunday of the season of Epiphany, which is beautiful. Because in the church calendar that begins with Advent, the anticipation of Christ, and Christmas and Christmastide, which begins to settle into the arrival of him, the Incarnation. Epiphany keeps going and begins to look at what it looks like to place our our attention and focus on the person of Jesus Christ as revealed in the New Testament. And so where where we're starting is, again, looking at Christ, but we're kind of within the story already. So, although this is the first Sunday of the new year, we've kind of been steeped in something already for a bit. Can you feel it? Can you, you recognize this? And so, when we're looking at Christ, what we're looking to explore together is what it looks like to consider Him our shepherd. Jesus considers Himself the shepherd. In John ten, He says, "I am." The good shepherd? He says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep, they know me. And together, what we're going to do for the season of Epiphany, the next six weeks, is look at Psalm 23 more closely, which is David's psalm, about a 1,000 years before Christ, where he is speaking of the shepherd. And we're going to take these six verses, we might even memorize them, we might take these six verses and begin to explore what is, it, what is the shepherd revealing about the person in and through Jesus Christ that this season of epiphany gets to remind us of together. It's going to help us to return to what David is meaning when he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And it's often a passage we're all pretty familiar with. But what I'd love us to clarify, perhaps in this moment, is even just your response to a statement like that. Like, the Lord is my shepherd? And what that conjures up for you, because we all have such close understanding of what that means, I suppose, in our time. But also, and I lack nothing. And our response to that. And to think, if you might, for even a moment, what things in your life today tend to make a statement like that more difficult to believe. Because we all might more easily identify the trouble we're facing before we identify the goodness the humor, the beauty and substance of what's happening. We might have relationships that are mending in a certain direction. We might have uncertainties about things. We might be just facing different troubles, which makes a statement like this a little incongruent with our experiences. And we want to be able to identify what is my experience of a statement like this because it creates great fodder in prayer time with God. Okay? Creates great prayer time with with God. And we want to believe, we want to return to, as David's believing in Psalm 23, that this, that this is a perfectly good and a perfectly safe world to live in. Not because the world is perfectly good and safe, but because the shepherd is perfectly good and perfectly safe to return to. So we'll look at Psalm 23, verse 1 today, but a little of context around David. If David had, if there was like one constant in David's life, it would have been danger, danger, Will Robinson. It would have just been danger. He knows danger pretty well, and like inherent danger, like a visceral danger. As a child, he was a shepherd. Some estimate as young as nine, perhaps. Nine, 13 years old, just a child. And he's fighting off lions and he's fighting off bears. Oh, my as a child. And before he becomes the king that we all kind of may recognize, he's first a fugitive because he's fleeing someone that's trying to kill him. And so he's wandering around the Judean hillside, escaping threat. And so he's someone that graduates from those into being a king where all these other warring factions are happening and he's. He's being pursued by Saul's children to go and get him, to kill him. And it's those words of that man who says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Who says, the Lord is my shepherd and I have everything I could possibly need for a time such as this. Now, David understood what it meant to be a shepherd, because he was a shepherd. He understood what it meant for God to be his shepherd. He understood that the role of a shepherd is to provide and to protect their flock. To ensure their safety. The promise keeper is how we sung it earlier. He's a promise keeper. And that's what the shepherd does. You can, you can, you can rely on this promise that I will protect and provide for you. David goes on, actually, in Psalm 25 to say, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. He goes on in Psalm 28 to say, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. And so he's, what he's demonstrating here is something about his mindset. <laughs> he's believing something about God. But sometimes we can think of these things as, Oh, he ripened through life to get there. And then maybe right before the lights turned out, he believed this stuff. And he he could trust him. Like, you have my interests in mind. And I wonder if if actually we can see evidence of him practicing this throughout his entire existence. Where he's saying, I know this. I know that this is true and it's embedded in him. in an operational sense. We can think of the the story of David and Goliath. We're not going to spend all day here. But we might look at the the story of David and Goliath as an example of his belief, his trust in a provider and protector. And we can read in 1 Samuel 17, then David, he just like took off all of his armor (laughs) to face Goliath. He's like, "I can't do it. anything in that. Much less help. I'm going to go as I know." Then David took his shepherd's staff. we're going to talk about the shepherd's staff. Week four. Return for week four. That'll change your life. Then David took his shepherd's staff. He selected five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in a Louis Vuitton man purse, in the pocket of his shepherd's pack, and with his sling in his hand, he approached Goliath, and we can under, we can read this, and we can understand, at least I have kind of like, it's sometimes understood that, that, that what David's doing in this action is he's collecting instruments of harm, right, he's, is he actually, what size are these stones is an interesting question, perhaps, how, why these Five stones, perhaps. Some of actually said, well, it's to strike Goliath and defend himself against any of his siblings that might retaliate. But I wonder if what he's doing is actually demonstrating what he's writing about in trusting about God. If what he's doing when he's drawing these five stones up is he's going, I know this story. <laughs> I know how this story goes. I know that he's my provider. I know that he's protecting me. I know that he's a promise keeper. I know this because that's what the Torah taught me. That's what the first five books of the Bible teaches. And he's collecting these almost in a way of saying as any other metaphor or symbol, right? We wear wedding rings to symbolize a covenant or promise we're making. And I wonder if he's collecting these stones as a symbol of, hey, God made me this promise. And these five stones kind of symbolizing the principal message of the Torah of God is chiefly concerned with his creation, namely you and I. And is committed to whatever it takes, whatever is needed, to honor that covenant, that commitment. The commitment to provide and protect his people. To provide and protect us. And I wonder if in David's mindset, as he's approaching this threat, he's returning to the promise. And he's saying... This is what he's always told us, and this is what I'll believe again, 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 again. I'm wondering if in this act that David is making with these stones that we can tend to just over, we can read through and overlook rather quickly, is him saying, God's my provider right now and wherever this goes he's taking care of me whether or not while outside evidence I might agree or recognize how that is happening the Lord is my protector and somehow whether or not I can personally identify or understand exactly what that means for me today I wonder if he's saying, I'm safe here. I'm okay here. It's okay for me to be here. It's okay for me to be here because, not because the world's so safe, but because he is. He's so safe. He's so good. That he reveals himself as everything that's perfectly sufficient for a time such as this. Now, a couple of things, and then I would love to just real talk, really talk about, like, okay, so that's good for David. Uh, what about my Tuesdays? Um, I want to be careful to interpret this as an instruction of pain tolerance, of, like, yeah, just grit your teeth and get through things. You can endure everything. That's not what David's talking about. And he's not dismissing your needs and desires and passions, there's a great history within the Christian tradition of where desires and passions are paramountly important in our relationship with God. So he's not just saying don't need anything and so you won't be ever at want. (laughs) These aren't the things he's saying. What he's saying is, I, I think he's reminding us that this too, this moment, where we might face something that looks like trouble is invitation, once again, to return to the Good Shepherd and deepen our relationship together. You know, which are all moments, by the way. This moment, too, is invitation to deepen relationship with God. No matter what I'm facing, I have everything I could possibly need for a time such as this. It's that sentiment. What David knows is that safety doesn't excuse trouble the good shepherd doesn't mean we won't face trouble. The good shepherd means you're going to be okay amidst whatever trouble we're facing. It's the difference, and this is kind of where it becomes operational to me. It's the difference between someone asking me, hey, how are you doing? And me saying, Everything, I'm good, things are good. Or responding with, I'm good, I'm good with the way things are. And operationally, those are different postures with whatever we're facing. How are we doing? You know, things are good. How are you doing? I'm good with things. There are different postures to hold. I'm good with things. The Lord's my shepherd. I have everything I could possibly ask for in a time such as this. What David is demonstrating for us is a mindset that he has a mindset that he has a shepherd, and the shepherd is near and chiefly concerned with his well being and is doing everything he could possibly need to to honor the covenant of providing and protecting and taking care of the promise he made with his people. The Apostle Paul describes the mind that's focused on earthly things as detrimental talks about in Romans 8 he says the the mindset on the flesh is death but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace he talks about this again in Colossians 3 and he says set your mind on things above not on earthly things and what we're doing is we're saying okay so how do we believe something when we don't believe something Because if I could, if I could just get there where God's my shepherd, I lack nothing, I have everything I need, I would just turn that on, I think, and I would have turned it on ages ago if I could do that. And what David's reminding us of is that there's action involved in a belief that helps nurture this in our life as a reality. For example, we don't don't set our minds on a distant, impersonal, bull, and unknowable God because we don't believe that stuff. We believe that He is present and that He's good and good to me. And that's what we set our minds on. And there's a transformation in the mind that follows. And this isn't an exercise really in, this isn't an exercise in escaping reality, like oh, that's good for you, Let, get yourself out of whatever you're facing. This is rather, I, this is rather a full commitment to what reality is. And saying, okay, if this is what's true, I want to see it as true too. I want to see this as true as well. This is the way that Dallas Willard puts it. He says, there is absolutely nothing that God lacks. I think we're done. He says, there's absolutely nothing that God lacks. We must understand this because the overflowing sufficiency that we will experience, which is a good statement, it's the overflowing sufficiency that we will experience when Yahweh is our shepherd, lies in the all sufficiency of the shepherd. What we need, God has. A lot of. (laughs) There's a distinction between being able to identify and say something that's true about God and believing it. And that's what we see in David. And it's a good day in my life if I were to believe a portion of everything I confess is true about God. That's true. Because there's a lot of times that the, the things in life or the volume on things in life distract me from that reality. So there's a, a movement between when we, when we believe what we say is true, we begin to act in a way that trusts what we believe. And when we trust what we believe, we live in a way in which that truth becomes our reality, becomes the way we, we wake up and witness the day's affair. It becomes what David is alluding to of this, the Lord's here, the Lord's my shepherd, and I have everything I could possibly need for a time such as this. It's, it's not just he hoped, it's as much as I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to allow myself to act in and live in a way that nurtures that reality in my life. To a point, I think, even as a child, he's able to pick up stones <laughs> in the midst of threat and go, I know this story. <laughs> I've heard this story. I believe this story. I believe I'm okay. I believe I'm safe. The season of epiphany is a season where we get once again opportunity to witness God's immediate presence in our life when sometimes we can tend to think of him as disinterested. Epiphany is a season when we get to explore, okay, where is he just bursting through already in my normal, ordinary, and everyday life? Where's the surprise? I'm okay too. I'm okay again. I'm okay here. It's a season when we believe and trust, even when we can't. And that's like a, that's when we begin to almost tell each other, hey, don't forget, you believe this. That's when we can talk to each other about these things. This is the heart of community, is that my week doesn't demonstrate that, and I I face someone who goes, but it's still true. You're safe. You're okay. You're exactly and precisely where you need to be somehow. And God will meet you in exactly and precisely the right way in this. He's your provider. He's your protector. He's sufficient. (laughs) He's everything I could possibly need for a time such as this. And our choice to participate There's a choice involved. There's some agency to participate in that reality. We're all participating in one reality. The choice is ours to participate in that reality or not, and that doesn't really disrupt God from doing whatever He wants to do. But our choice to participate or not is simply deciding whether or not to join. Or excuse myself from the pleasure of an enjoyment that's in achieving whatever he's up to. And that is what David's reminding us of in Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. And I lack nothing here. And I choose today to join him and take enjoyment and pleasure, in the achievement of whatever he is unfolding in and around me. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah. We'll work on that. We'll work on hallelujah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. yeah? I love you. Can we, can we pray? Yeah? yeah? Uh, Holy Trinity, we love you, and we trust you. And we believe that whatever you are up to is entirely sufficient with me in a time such as this. Lord, we ask that in all the ways we don't believe, that you might help that disbelief, that you might use it as fodder in our relationship together that we might continue to deepen our sensitivity and awareness of your action and involvement in my normal, ordinary, and everyday life. We love you and trust you, and it's in your Son's holy and precious, precious name we pray. Amen.